Hello everyone and welcome to Sharing the Journey. I am not doing this podcast over Zoom. I am sitting outside as you can probably hear that bird over there and there may also be sounds from around the apartment building because I'm sitting outside my my back door on my patio and I am with my friend Anne who is going to share about her journey today and uh, Anne does not have a disability but she has worked well not worked volunteered with uh, Johnny and Friends as a short-term missionary and so I'm sure we will be discussing that at least a little bit as this podcast goes along so say hello Anne hello Um, so to start with um, just tell me a little bit about you and then we'll back up and talk about your childhood and go the normal way I do this podcast. Okay. We're going to do something normal, huh? <laughs> Good luck on it. Good luck on it. Oh, let's see. I am Ann Royal and I am a wife and a mother and a grandmother and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and a music therapist, a musician, uh, an avid Bible reader, an avid reader. Reader, period, period. yeah. <laughs> yes, I play the piano and I like to accompany choirs and individuals and music and instrumentalists. But I've kind of, and I've been a church musician all my life. Let's see, I was raised Catholic in Wisconsin and lived there for first 22 years of my life getting a bachelor's in music from the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Met my husband in California soon after that. Uh, we've been married almost 48 years now. Um, I Actually, I met him 47 years ago this month. And we've lived um, along the West Coast and initially we were in, in Okinawa for a year and a half. And and God is good. I've been blessed with a long, full life. So tell me a little bit more about your childhood and what shaped you from your childhood. Hmm. Well, I was born in 1952. My dad was a a returning, had, had returned from serving in World War II. And my mother was from Wisconsin, and they were... Catholics, and I was their oldest child, of oldest of four, and I think the expectation always was on me to behave myself and to be a good girl and not cause waves, and um, I had an easy time at at school and uh, as far as getting good grades, and, and I learned to play the piano starting when I was seven, and... My high school, for my high school, I, I wanted to be um, a wonderful, accomplished professional woman like the, the nuns who were our grade school teachers. They seemed to be the best role models around me, I guess, and I thought, wow, I could please God too if I became a nun. So I, at the tender age of 14, I went away to uh, their boarding school for Catholic girls. Was that your choice? Oh, yes, very much okay. so. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't know why except that they the nuns were very um just they were really elite and professional and great teachers and 
I had visited their their mother house where this high school was one time and I just was bowled over by it. It was a, a brand new facility sprawling all over the place on the shores of Lake Michigan. They had a great big tract of land and they had their all of their training programs for nuns there and they were teaching orders so they had a college there and anyway it was a, a real rich um, educational environment for me. So tell me about the boarding school since we have several listeners. <laughs> yeah. Boarding school. Well, you, you, when you stated your desire to go, the nuns did a battery of tests on us in our hometown. Just, just I was the only one that went did that from my hometown that year. But another girl, a few years older than I, uh, from my hometown, had gone to this um, aspiranture um, a few years ahead of me. So it wasn't an unknown deal. Um, yes, so they, they, since they were a teaching order, they wanted to make sure that they had girls in who would be able to become teachers. Um, it wasn't just a contemplative life or anything like that. They, they had a mission and they were, so they tested us and um, I must have passed because they accepted me and so the fall of 1966 I packed my trunk with the according to the clothing list, and my parents drove me across the state of Wisconsin and um, dropped me off at uh, Caroline Academy in Mequon, Wisconsin. And uh, there were 42 girls in my freshman class. We lived in dorms, ate in a big dining room. There were, um, you know, four years of high school there, and so the seniors lorded it over us. and. <laughs> taught us the ropes and and uh, I, I liked it. It was a real um, regiment, kind of, I should I say regimented, but what I meant is you know you just knew what was going to happen next and I guess I liked that. That appealed mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you took academic classes? Totally. Mm -hmm. And I assume spiritual development type? <laughs> well it was a Catholic school so um, yes it was definitely um, we had Catholic doctrine taught to us, um, and we Catholic practices. There was mass every morning, um, prayer times, uh, devotion times. You made a chapel visit every afternoon after church. Uh, but it was a, a prep school, college prep school. Mm. So we had really uh, good teaching, since this was a teaching order. And so that the, the um, I think it was a high caliber of training going on there. I had all the music classes and music therapy, uh, theory, music theory classes. By the time I graduated from this high school, I'm, I'm sure it was equivalent to a year or two of college in music training. Wow. Yeah, it was really rich. Choir, we had lots of choir. The access to beautiful musical instruments to play. I got to practice on a Steinway piano and a beautiful pipe organ in one of the chapels. I had lots of friends. We loved to listen to music and we played guitar and sang constantly in our off hours. It was a big deal in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was great, but it was also kind of emotionally very um, stunting in a lot of ways. Nobody wanted to deal with a girl in a bad mood or a girl who had questions. Um, hmm. 
so you just you know enjoyed the things you enjoyed and shut up about the rest I guess hmm. there wasn't a lot of training in relationships or or just uh, what's the word self-awareness or anything that we kind of learn more of now mm-hmm. yeah nobody ever asked you how you felt <laughs> hmm. <sighs> but you could sit and gab with your friends for hours we took lots of walks the food was good. There was a bakery. Lucky you. Oh, wow. The ba- <laughs> these nuns were from Germany originally, so there were some... Some of the, some of the nuns had come from Ger- Germany and spoke with thick accents. And some of them... They weren't all teachers, but of course there were some that were bakers and ran this baking uh, bakery that um, sold to the public. And it was fun to go over there on a Saturday and buy a brownie or an apple turnover. Yum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so how often did you go home? Oh, I only went home for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter for a oh, week. Oh, wow. So, and I lived across the state, so there was no question me just going for a weekend. Yeah, right. Once in a while, they'd allow us to go home with a classmate for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And if you didn't have an invitation for that weekend and you had to stay at school, I can remember just feeling really... Oh, just sad and resentful about mm-hmm. that, you know. Because everybody was off having fun and yeah. going shopping. And and I was there with the the ones that didn't... We were just the ones that had been left behind. Yeah. And then they'd call for somebody, for us all to go and set up chairs in the gym for 200 or something. Well, that really got me steaming. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. That was that. So... How did you go from a Catholic boarding school to being a Christian? Hmm. So maybe jumping ahead a little bit. Well, I think, unless you can't think of, I can't think of much else about a boarding school experience, but. No. No. um, um, Well, by the time I was a junior or a senior, it was the late 60s, and some of our very cool nuns would disappear over the summer. Which, my shorthand for saying they left the order. In the late 60s, you know, the winds of change were blowing across the, our country, and people were just taking a good look at, you know, what they believed and what they wanted to do and who they were listening to, and began to make decisions. And, and so a lot of these vibrant um, teachers that we had... Um, the younger ones that we, the ones that we really, you know how you had teachers you really loved, you know, and you wanted to hang out with them that you thought they were so cool. Maybe you didn't, but I did. <laughs> um, and so you'd come back in the fall and the sister wouldn't be there. We, we called him sister. Um, so that kind of unsettled me. One was my music piano teacher. So by the time I was a senior or so, I really began to question whether God even existed and there were no answers forthcoming. Um, I asked the priest who was stationed there at the mother house, you know, how I could believe in God, and he was pretty vague. <laughs> and so I just went. I just made up my mind to go to um, just the university because it was kind of a foregone conclusion that I was supposed to go to college, and nobody made any bones about it. I just told my parents that's where I wanted to go and 
They helped me along with the process. I couldn't tell if I was a disappointment to them or not. Many people left. In fact, from my original freshman class of 42, only one, no, two are now nuns. Wow. Two, I suppose, is pretty good. <laughs> so I went to the University of Wisconsin at Eau Claire, which the western side of the state, about, about an hour north of my hometown. And um, I was kind of ticked off about music. I had always, you know, been required to play for everything and practice a lot and learn new music. And I guess it should have been a, a source of um, satisfaction and self-esteem because I did get a certain level of competency. But instead, I just felt like I was used and abused and, you know, get corrected more than ever praise. So I decided I was not going to major in music. Oh, that, that was my biggest background. Majored in English, because that had, I had gotten some, you know, some pats on the back in that, uh, in that discipline in high school. So I, I took a music theory course, though, as a humanities credit. And usually people don't do that. That's for music majors. But I did real well in it. And the teacher said to me as I walked out once, he says, Anne, you should at least consider a music minor. That came out of the blue. And, you know, that was just one of those little moments where I somebody noticed me and and gave me something that said, you're good at this. So I decided to major in music after all. We had a, a therapy, a music therapy program. You could get a degree, so I enrolled in that and got lots of training. So what kind of classes do you take in a music therapy? Take everything a music major has to take. You have to have a, a competency in one area, like a um, voice or uh, an instrument mm -hmm. and you let's see at the time we did have to take some voice in addition and we had to take I had to take organ which I was already an organist hi got some workmen walking past us when a workwoman <laughs> um, what else we took um, music theory um, we took uh, sociology and psychology courses that mm -hmm. were general in nature. Took um, for our for our physical education courses, we had to take some dance classes. Oh, because you know you might have to lead the odd square dance when. You <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> so that was basically it. There were some performance requirements um, to get your degree, which was nerve wracking. Um, had to be in a, a big performance group, and so I got to sing in an or oratorial choir and perform, you know, over the years, I think six or seven major works with that choir and wow. symphony. So that was very, very cool when I look back at that now. I guess, does that answer the question? <laughs> you had to learn a little bit about all the instrument groups. Yeah. Um, because as a music therapist, we, we weren't specialized. You didn't know if you were going to go somewhere where somebody would uh, want to or need to learn some organ or maybe you'd have a small band and you should have a you know a little bit of a knowledge of how 
a guitar or a trumpet or a violin in my work. Mm -hmm. So there was, it was, we were jack of all trades, masters of none, as they say. And what did you end up doing with that degree? I ended up in California. I was placed for a six-month clinical internship um, in Costa Mesa, California, at a huge um, hospital for people Calvary with... Calvary Chapel territory. Yes, indeed. That's, <laughs> and that's part... Of, so here I was on this whole secular course of study and um, had pretty much left my Catholicism practices behind and and ended up there in Costa Mesa, California at uh, a big um, hospital for people with developmental disabilities. Hmm. Um, there were about 2,000 people that lived there in that hospital and probably at least that many worked there. They had music therapy there so I could do this internship under the auspices of a registered music therapist and they had quite a big program of music therapists actually. There were probably about 20 of us there, interns and staff. And so we just uh, learned some practical applications with that particular um, client population. Um, and that's where I met my husband. He was living in Southern California at the time. Oh. And he um, was in the Marine Corps, and the Vietnam War was still going on, and he, uh, he had um, an overseas tour coming up. He was going to be flying in Southeast Asia because he was a pilot. I always say I married Top Gun. Because <laughs> he was very cute and handsome and confident, and he had some great stories already at a young age. And so I think that has, you know, I always said that uh, an upcoming deployment has expedited many military marriages, and we were no exception. Um, <laughs> I, I just had to, uh, we had to marry each other before he went overseas. <laughs> so we did. And, um, but I ended up going with him, and we lived in Okinawa. Um, he flew great big airplanes, so we weren't never in a war zone or anything. Mm -hmm. He flew men and machinery all over Southeast Asia. So did you work, or did you...? Yeah, we lived off base, and um, so it was kind of fun to discover what the Okinawan... Uh, economy and culture was like, um, but I did look for work because I got kind of bored sitting around all day. There was nothing. It was the first time in my life, right, that I hadn't done anything. I actually got a job as a taxi driver on the air base. Oh, <laughs> uh, they were looking for them, and I went in and uh, took the day's orientation. And they said, "Yes, I could do the job, but you know, be here at four thirty in the morning, and then you're going to, uh, you know, check your vehicle over and wash it." <laughs> And then you were, I thought, no, no, that's just not, <laughs> this doesn't sound smart. <laughs> to, for, so I did look, and they had a, um, a Department of uh, Department of Defense, DOD, uh, school on Kadena Air Base for dependents. Um, so um, American uh, servicemen who were stationed there on the air base for longer periods of time with their family, it was a special ed school there. Oh. And they probably had, it was just a little place, you know, and uh, probably had about two dozen young children there. And I managed to get a job as an educational aide there. Oh, cool. So that was fun. Yeah, I got to work. I mean, there was probably, it was a, a true interdisciplinary team. There were a couple of special ed teachers, and physical therapists, uh, occupational therapists, and, and some 
and then me. So I got to do a lot of music, musical groups there, and use a lot of the skills that I had learned over the years um, and, and shared them with these teachers who didn't have a lot of background in that. Mm-hmm. That was great fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was great fun. Um, you know, what you're doing is inviting these children with intellectual disabilities mainly and, and some physical uh, to participate in music activities that are appropriate for them or designed for them um, that will help them kind of build skills and relationships. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, it was great, a great opportunity. Uh-huh. And you've done a lot with children over the years, in addition to raising your own. Mm. Um, Bible study fellowship children's leader mm-hmm. for many years in the preschool department. Um, so you don't even have to ask any questions. I know all about you. Yeah. <laughs> Shelly and I have uh, taken a lot of adventure drives together. Uh, many of the adventures were planned, but some, <laughs> some of the longer ones were not, um, as we get lost. Uh, but we have had long drives together and, and yacked about everything. Yep. Yes, when we got back to California, I got some jobs in music therapy, just some small, um, like, hourly jobs here and there. I actually taught a music therapy course at Cal State Long Beach. Um, for two semesters, which was eye-opening for me. But then our children started uh, arriving, and, uh, and we uh, moved up. We ended up moving up to the Northwest. And my husband had pursued a job as a as an airline pilot, but that didn't come through. So he ended up managing shopping malls, major shopping malls in the seventies and eighties. Oh. So that's what brought us up to the Northwest. A company hired him as general manager. And we got out of the rat race that was Southern California in those days. And we had three children. And oh, and while we were still in Southern California, I met a friend at work. I worked at the uh, Good Shepherd Lutheran Home as a music therapist for about a year. And that was a, a private facility, and that was another really rich place. And one of the, my coworkers was a believer in Christ. I didn't know that at the time, I, but she was. Oh, I just asked her a question or two, what she was doing. Oh, I'm just sitting here and praying, and during her lunch hour, she, and she invited she, she and her fiance invited Al and me to church, and she lent me a book. And in reading the book, I began. It was the late great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. Everybody read that in the 70s because we were all um, interested in Bible prophecy at that point. Maybe because of the Cold War? I don't know. But I, I read the book sitting by myself one day, and I realized that I could believe that Jesus was who he said he was, who I had learned he was. Um, it That just came to life in me as I read that. And... Um, that was just a moment in time, but things, everything changed for me at that point, and I began to be interested in knowing all about the Bible and learning all about Christ and being with His people. And we went to church with this friend from work, and um, Al, my husband, became a believer as well. I'm not sure in what context, but probably just in listening to these, um, the great um, pastors we had there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just would 
preach from God's word, um, just straight from a book, and teach what it was saying and how it would apply to our lives. And you know, it was just like my eyes were opened, uh, and I wanted to be part of that. It was just more real than any of the um, uh, Catholic um, background that I had, where you just did things. You know, if you did all the orthodox things and knelt and genuflected and <laughs> were confirmed and, and memorized the prayers and said them at the right time, why that was being a Christian. But uh, that was not how God, how God laid hold of me at all. Hmm. Putting you to sleep? No, not at all. Oh. <laughs> I don't. If there's. If that's clear or not? Yes, it was yes. one. It was wonderful. As I look back, I'm so thankful to God for opening my eyes and changing my heart while I just sat all alone in my home reading that book. Okay, I'm going to stop this episode, and uh, we will be back with episode two.